0: Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Good. Well, today we complete our teaching series, Greater. Um, uh, Has it been good? It's been so much fun. Um, I've had fun. Um, So we we started looking at the person we worship, uh, which is God himself, Yahweh, the great I am. Uh, Fergus brought us the purpose of worship, which was full of goodness. Sim spoke last week uh, with Jim. Uh, Jim's helping that interview, looking at the posture and position we worship from. And today we are looking at the power of worship. The power of worship. And so if this morning's message had a title as such, it would be uh, this Worship God and watch what happens next. Worship God and watch. What happens next? And this morning we're going to read from two accounts in the Bible um, one from the old, one from a very long time ago, an event in history that happens, uh, and another from the new. And we're going to look at both of those, uh, looking at this power of worship. But before we delve into God's word, just just for a moment, I want you to think of uh, a situation. I want you to think, think of a situation that you're going through at the moment where you're desperate, desperate. For God to intervene. It may be a situation where you feel stuck or feel lost. But what is, what is that situation? Is there a situation that's going on in, in the journey that you, you're on, the season that you're in? What is that situation where, where you just want God to intervene, that you want him to move? God, I need you. You're desperate for him to move, And by the end of this morning, I would really love for us all to be in a position where we believe just that little bit more that when we worship God, things can change. When we take that time to worship him and to glorify his name, he will move and he can change that situation or he can improve that situation or get rid of that situation, whatever that is. You see, because, um, of course, today we're, we're looking at the power of worship. I, I really believe, and I've, I've, I've come to believe, I don't think I did it, uh, a little while ago, but I do now, that, that worship is powerful for things to happen next. So when we worship, God loves that and goes, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to come to your rescue. So there's power in worship. So by the end, I would love for us to be in that position. So let's take a look at the, the first account that we're going to look at in the Old Testament. Uh, it's from 2 Chronicles 20. Uh, and it is uh, quite lengthy, uh, but uh, it's worth the read. So you cool with sticking, at, uh, sticking with me? It's, it's lengthy, but we're going to read it all. Uh, it's 26 verses, but we're going to read it. It's, it's, it has a beginning, middle and end, and I would love for us to read it together. So um, setting the scene then, uh, up until now, God... Uh, God's people have uh, done not a great job at sticking together right God's people Israel have divided in two the kingdom is divided into uh, Israel and Judah and at this moment in time uh, the king of Judah is called King Jehoshaphat everyone say Jehoshaphat Jehoshaphat uh, such a weird name uh, Jehoshaphat King Jehoshaphat and King Jehoshaphat is king and he's doing a really good job He's doing a good job at being a king. There was lots of, lots of kings of, of God's people and some of them were not so great and some of them were really good. Jehoshaphat is one that is believed to have been good. He was faithful to God. He's known to be faithful. And so uh, King Jehoshaphat is king and uh, it, the people trust him as well because he's a good king. All right. So here we are. Uh, that is the scene set. So at this time... The Moabites and Ammonites, with some of the Meunites, lots of Unites, uh, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Okay, so they're, they're on their way. They're, they're waging war. They've declared war. We are coming for you. And some people came and told Jehoshaphat this. And he said, a, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, which is on the other side of the Dead Sea. And it's already in Heazon, Tamar, that's Engedi. Basically, they're really close. Okay, they're coming. They're really, really close. And alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for Judah. Now in the NIV, it says, uh, Jehoshaphat was terrified of this news and so went to beg of God, right, for his help. Uh, So he was alarmed. And the people of Judah, uh, like Jehoshaphat, ordered, came uh, together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Judah's a big place. Right? They came from every town to seek God. And then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the capital of Judah at the time. Uh, at, the, at the temple of the Lord, in front of the new courtyard. And said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hands. And no one... Can withstand you. Oh God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it before the descendants of Abraham your friends? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before the temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and you will save us. But now, God, here are the men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. But now, see, they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Oh, God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do. But our eyes are on you. All the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, I love that, little ones, so cute, uh, with their wives, children and little ones, stood there before the Lord and then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, who was son of Zechariah, who was the son of Beniam, who was that the son of, they do that in the Old Testament. They like, they like to say the son of, son of, son of, son. anyway, this guy, right, uh, Jehaziel, uh, stood in the assembly before the people. And he was a prophet and he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you do not be afraid, do not be discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle isn't even yours. It's God's battle. It's not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, I want you to march down against them. They will be climbing up from pass. Weird. Uh, Climbing up from pass of Ziz. And you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jurel. You will not have to fight this battle. But take your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed down to his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites, something and Koriites uh, stood up and praised the Lord the God of Israel with a very loud voice. Don't look at anyone. Who's got a really loud voice when they worship in here? <laughs> With a very loud voice, they worship. And early in the morning, so the next day, early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Guys, before we leave, listen. Listen to me, Judah and the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. As they went out to meet the army, saying, give thanks to the Lord for our God is good, for his love endures forever. And As they began to sing, as they began to praise him, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were the people coming to them, who were invading Judah. And they were defeated. Everyone say defeated. They were defeated before they even got there. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and defeat them. And after they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. These were really good people that were really good at waging war against people. So they said to the world, when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert, which was where they came to meet them, they looked towards the vast army. And what did they see? Dead bodies. They weren't even there. They had been destroyed before they even got there. So Jehoshaphat and his men went carrying off the plunder the things that were left they found among uh, them great equipment and clothing also articles of value more than they could take away there was so much plunder that it took 3 days to, to collect uh, to collect it and on the 4th day they assembled in the valley of berakah uh, where they praised the lord and this is why it's called the valley of berakah to this day Okay, well done. We survived. That was long, but it's it's great. And we'll unpack that. But I've got a question for you. Are you a hedgehog or a rhino? According to the relationship's uh, guru theory, the behaviour of these two animals, when physically hurt or threatened, illustrates two typical human reactions. Right? So the the rhino, um, he charges in. Uh, faces the, the threat kind of head-on, and the hedgehog uh, comes in itself, retreats, and spikes at its little prickles so it keeps the attacker bay. Now, apparently, uh, the human race are 50-50 on this, right? So tell the person next to you, whether you're a rhino or a hedgehog, and see if they're the other one. <laughs> All right. So you might you might be fifty-fifty. Might have worked. Right? One of you might have been a hedgehog. One of you might have been a rhino. Hands up, people, rhinos. Okay, stay away from these people, everyone. <laughs> and who was a hedgehog? Oh, okay. Well, you know, for many, it depends on what the situation is and who we're with, and whatever. But it's it's interesting, isn't it? That the I find wonderful about the human race is this idea that we all have emotions. Uh, you may be an emotional person, you may not feel very in touch with your emotions, but we have emotions, don't we? And, uh, and emotions are strong and they're, they're large and they're so raw and very, very real uh, when we uh, recognize that they're there. And uh, Robert uh, Pluchik, We've got lots of interesting names today, haven't we? Uh, Robert Pluchik's theory says that there are eight um, basic emotions. These are the basic emotions, which other emotions kind of uh, feed off of these. So we've got fear, anger, sadness, joy, disgust, surprise, trust, anticipation. So he would say that those are the eight basic emotions. Now, whether you agree with that or not, uh, whether they are the, the basic ones, we know that they're very real and that we have them, right? Uh, and emotion is, is raw, it's strong, and that they're, they're, they make such a difference to our lives. And um, I guess, you know, how often do we find ourselves in each day being ruled by our emotions? It, I think it's a real skill not to be controlled by your emotions. Would you say so? And it's a skill that I'm constantly working on, <laughs> Um as an emotional person but when it's a real skill isn't it of, of trying to control your emotions I'm angry oh I'm going to do something I'm going to kill someone or I'm so sad I can't see any way out of this and I'm just going to wallow in my self pity that's what I love to do sometimes at home when I just cry and you know and you just love to cry and just want to stay in the emotion and sometimes we just find ourselves just having no control of over emotions and I think the interesting thing is that Jehoshaphat here in this story, he did it really well. <laughs> he did it really well. He, you know, an, an army was coming. He, he was told an army was coming. That they were well prepared. They they came in number, and it said he was absolutely terrified. He was terrified at what this army could be doing to him. Uh, could have come and done. And he was absolutely terrified. And, you know, the emotions that might arrive would also be fear or anxiety or distress. And he could have easily kind of uh, not controlled his emotions and thought, well, I'm just going to go with the flow. Uh, I'm going to just lash out like a rhino. Uh, He could have just gone straight in there and thought, well, let's do this. I can do this in my own power and and we can do this. We've been training. I know we haven't got the numbers, but let's just go for it anyway. And he could have just charged in. Or he could have kind of retreated and just had lunch in his own little palace and just pretended it wasn't happening uh, and just kind of, oh, it'll be fine in the end. But he didn't. He kind of accepted this terror. He was, he was, he was, a, he was afraid and he was frightened. He was terrified. And what did he do? He worshipped the Lord. In his emotions, in that, uh, that fear that he had, he worshipped the Lord. He chose to worship God. He accepted the situation. He thought, I could just have this pride that's within me and I, I, I could just do my own thing, but he didn't. He said, I know I'm fearful. I could react in many ways here, but I'm not. I'm going to choose to focus my attention on the one who I know knows what to do. And Fergus and Sim both touched on this last week and the week before, that worship is very much to do with the will. And I know that, that touched many of you in, um, over the last couple of weeks, that worship is it's a choice. right? No one forces you to put your hands in the air and worship the Lord. That would be really weird if we all stood here and someone else was raising our hands for us. It, it just doesn't happen. It's a choice. We choose to raise our hands. No one pushes you to the ground to make you be on your knees in adoration before the Lord. That just doesn't happen. We we choose to worship the Lord. It's something we do. We choose to do it. And Jehoshaphat here did that. He chose to do it. We we read the the story and and, uh, on a variety of accounts, they they turned to worship. They worshipped the one who knew what to do. And Jehoshaphat uh, was, was great at this. He put his emotions aside and he said, no, I'm going to choose however I feel right now. Whatever's going on, what, however I feel, Like I could try and manage this myself, but I know that wouldn't go very well, so I'm going to choose to worship the Lord. And then what happened next? God came to their rescue. They worshipped and God saved them. They focused their attention on him rather than the situation and how they felt. And God blessed them and saved them and rescued them from what could have been a very horrible day. When we worship, when we choose to worship God, things happen. And I don't think I really understand why. But that God loves us. And so when he sees us worshipping him, he goes, yes, you're doing what you created to do. I'm going to come to your rescue. He sees and and honours. He loves to honour those who do things for him. Have you noticed that? When you do something and and God honours you, when you give your finances, he gives back. I love that. He, he, He loves to do that. He loves when we worship him, we give our all, and we choose to use our time and effort and energy to worship him. He gives back. Worship is powerful. Because God loves to give back. And so when we worship him, he comes to our rescue. When we use our will above our emotions to worship the Lord, he does things. He just does things. So let's take a look at our second account. This is found in the New Testament. Uh, It's not as long. Uh, Some of you may be really happy to hear. Uh, It's from Acts 16, Acts chapter 16 from verse 16. And set in the scene here, um, Jesus has done his thing. Right. Jesus has lived. He's died. He's came back to life and he's gone to heaven. He sent his spirit and his church are establishing themselves as the church. And uh, they're doing their thing and uh, they're performing miracles left, right and centre. And Paul and Silas are part of this crew uh, that are kind of establishing the church. And uh, and here they are causing problems for the government, uh, which Christians love to do. Do we like to do that? (laughs) That's weird. Uh, Anyway, they were here. Uh, They were causing problems uh, for the government. They were not liking those people they called Christians. And so this is Dr. Luke writing. He wrote the book of Luke, and then he wrote the book of Acts. And here he was, part of the crew, and this is him telling us the story. So once, when we were going to the place of prayer... We were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned shed loads of money, a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. And she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. And she kept this up for many many days and finally I love this finally Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and walloped her one could you imagine it doesn't say that I've made that up Uh, uh, he got so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit uh, in the name of Jesus I command you to come out of her and at that moment the spirit left her and when her owners realised that their hope of making money was gone, what a disaster. Our source of income is just, it's, it's now holy and it's not going to work. Uh, so when they realised this, um, uh, they, what did they do? They did something. Uh, they... Uh, They seized Paul and Silas and uh, said to them, These men are Jews and they're throwing our city into uproar by advocating customs unlawful for the Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in on this attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet into stocks. Now, let's just pause for a moment there. This is outrageous, isn't it? Paul and Silas did nothing and they're being stripped naked, which is highly embarrassing. They're being flogged, they're being beaten and they're being whipped for doing nothing. Talk about injustice, right? Right? I said this. This is outrageous. And even so, they they throw them into prison for doing nothing. And the prisons weren't just like kind of the prisons that we have nowadays. There was no kind of creature comforts. Uh, there wasn't heating or water supply. They were like a dungeon. So it was like really dark and damp and disgusting and just vile. I mean, talk about emotions. Oh, I would be absolutely fuming. And I don't know about you, but I would probably find myself, look, doing the Lord's work and, uh, you know, doing your thing. And it's, it's really, uh, you're doing a great job. And all of a sudden, this injustice happens upon you. you, you, you you're whipped, you, you're flogged, you're beaten, and then you're put in prison. I don't know about you, but I would probably be very angry at God. If I was honest with myself. I'd be very tempted to be angry. I'm like, God, are you serious? I thought we had something going here. I thought we were doing a good job at Freedom Church. What? Why are you you allowing this to happen? I'd be really angry. And yet what? What did they do? (laughs) They chose to worship. What? They were beaten. They were stripped naked. They were flogged. And yet... They chose to worship. Oh, I wish, I wish if that happened to me, I could do that. I really want to be that person. I don't know if I would. You don't really know do you, until you're put in the situations. But oh gosh, I want to be someone like that. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Wow. How many of us in here could say that? Just imagine it. You're stripped, you're whipped, you're flogged, you're beaten. And you're put in prison. And they choose to worship the Lord. When someone is stripped, naked, whipped, beaten like these two were, I'm not sure how up for worshipping God I would be. I don't know. And yet they chose To worship him, despite not being in control of the situation. They had no control over this. Despite not knowing what their immediate future held for them. Despite the pain from being whipped. Like that hurts, right? I've never never been it, but gosh, painful. I'd probably just cry in the corner and just hope it goes away. But they didn't. They chose to worship. And what did God do next? He freed them. He rescued them. He came to their rescue. Verse 26, And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, oh my word, this is bad, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoner had escaped. That would be really bad for him. He thought, it's better just to kill myself now. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The chains have just come loose. we were just worshipping and this thing happened. Like, we don't know what happened either, guys. (laughs) Just don't kill yourself. Chill, man. But at once, the prison doors flew open. And everyone's chains came loose. It was like, through praise and worship, Paul and Silas provided God a channel for his power to operate in their circumstance wow through praise and worship Paul and Silas provided God a channel for his power to operate in their circumstance we can often worship like after God does stuff you know when we come to him and thank him like oh God that was so good what you did but how hard is it to, in the moment, in this circumstance, when Jehoshaphat was waiting for this army to arrive and Paul and Silas were, were in prison, they, they chose, before God even rescued them, to worship them. To worship him, the God of the universe. And what was that situation you thought of earlier? A situation where you're just so desperate for God to intervene. But how does that make you feel? that situation? What emotions arise in you? Is it fear? Sadness? Anxiety? Despair? Do you believe that you could worship God whilst having those emotions like Jehoshaphat did, like Paul and Silas did? Do you believe that when you worship God your situation can change? Because Worship is powerful. God loves to give good gifts when we worship. When we adore him, he loves to come in power. It's like when we lift him up, he says, all right, I'll come down. We lift him up and you are on the throne, God. Oh, I'll come down to where you are. Isn't that what Jesus did? He came down to our level. When we worship him. He comes in power. When we worship him, things can change. They can. I I really believe it. (laughs) God can do things in response of our worship. When we honor him, he comes to our rescue. When we put him first, the breakthroughs that we're really, really, really wanting to see here can happen. But we have to worship him. We can't just wait until he's done it. We've got to worship him. We've got to choose to worship him first. To honour him for who he is. And therefore, worship God and watch what happens next. Freedom Church, worship God and watch what happens next. Worship him and see what he does. Go on, I dare you. <laughs> worship him. See what he does next. Worship him. See where he takes us. Where is he going to take us? Where could we be? Let's worship him. Worship him. Watch what happens next. And as we worship, I really we're going to worship in a minute. Beth, if you can come up, and um, we're going to worship. Um, and I just would love for you to, to have those specific situations in your mind that you have. Oh gosh, I feel like some of you are really in pain when you think of that. Oh. I want to think of that situation. I really believe if you step out, if you choose to worship him, he knows your pain, right? Do we believe that? He knows it. He knows how we feel. He knows what emotions we have. He knows the fear, he knows the anxiety, he knows that we're stuck and we're lost. I believe he knows that. And so when we step out, like what Tim did and and Sim spoke about, about stepping forwards, there's so powerful. I felt like there was a really powerful moment this morning. Anyone else? When we kind of step forward, like, yeah, I'm ready to worship. (laughs) I'm stepping into what God has. So when we worship, just in a moment, I so just keep that situation in mind. And just, even if you don't believe it, we'll believe it for you, <laughs> right? When, when we worship, God honours that. He loves it. And so he loves to give back. So we're going to sing a song, um, Break Every Chain. I thought it was really funny because the chains actually broke <laughs> in Acts 16. But we know that there are chains in our hearts and in our minds, in our families, in our friends, in our workplaces. There's so many chains. And that's the work of the, of the enemy. I don't like him. <laughs> I'm declaring now I don't like him. He's chained things. It doesn't need to be chained. It shouldn't be. And God is in, in the business of breaking those. As we're going to sing together, and I'd love, Should we stand together? I'd love that. Yeah, I love that we've got a bit of time here. Yeah, leg like time. So we're going to spend some time worshipping. And yeah, if, if you've got a situation, I'd just, I'd, I'd love to pray. Can you play? It's less awkward for some. Don't we just love the music that happens behind? Come on. <laughs> just eases. I love music. Mm. You know, let's, let's pray in faith, right? That when we worship, God does things. It's powerful. So Father, we worship you. We've been worshipping you for the last two hours. We've been worshipping you for the last week, for the last months, for the last years, for the decades, God. And God, we want to see you move. God, we've seen in your word this morning that when your people worship, you rescue them. And I don't know how that happens. I don't know why you do that. But I just trust that you do. And so Father we pray God. That those, for those situations that we've all got in our heads right now. God that when we worship you today. When we worship you throughout the week. When we worship you throughout the years. God that you would move. That you would break those chains. God, in Acts 16, when Paul and Silas, you broke those chains physically, God. And if there's physical ones that need breaking, then break them. But God, we're in our hearts and our minds, in the places, in our homes. God, break those chains, God, we pray. And so, God, we're choosing to worship you. We're choosing to worship you. We're stepping forward again. We're choosing to honour you in the situations and circumstances we find ourselves in. God, even when our emotions don't align, We're going to choose to worship you. Father, you're so good. And we love you. We love you so much. We ask that you'd come to our rescue. In Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.